0: Hi, I'm Olaoumi Brigwe, and I began to experience all-round supernatural success in my life when I finally accepted that no matter how hard a person works, they will never rise above their level of thinking. Are you looking for transmission from the inside out? Then join me on the Super Abundant Life podcast. Do you have a dream? <laughs> then I have some news for you that you probably already know. You will face opposition. Now, it doesn't matter if your dream is as simple as bagging that next promotion at work or as complicated as finding the cure for cancer. There will be people who will show up at different points on your journey to oppose you. Some because they love you and don't want to see you disappointed, and some because they detest the idea of you And their driving goal is to see you fail. If your dream is going to survive the naysayers, the doubters, and the haters that you meet on your way, you have to know how to strategically handle them. And that's what I'm going to be teaching today. This is episode 89 of the Super Abundant Life podcast. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Alaomi, and welcome to the Super Bonner Life Podcast. Uh, it's always a pleasure for me to record and bring you these episodes. And I'm so thankful and grateful for you because you come and you listen to the podcast, and I know that so many of you are sharing the podcast with your friends, family, uh, colleagues, etc. Thank you so much for doing that because This is a year of the 10X, all right? This is the year that we go 10 times more. I'm not just talking about me and the podcast. I'm also talking about you in the name of Jesus. Amen. If this is your first time of listening to the podcast, then remember to subscribe so that you can always get fresh or new episodes into your phone every Monday. Today... (laughs) Ah, uh, I'm going to be talking about, well, naysayers, doubters, and even haters. Hmm. Who are these people? Eh? Why are they coming after us like this? Huh? Okay. So I decided, in fact, God reminded me that I must say this. Okay. Number one, I'm not coming at this from a place of judgment. I'm coming at... I'm coming at it from a place of awareness or enlightenment so that we become more aware of, of the roles that some of these people that come into our lives will play and awareness is a good thing because it opens you up to how to deal with situations when you have a good deal of awareness. So that's first reason. Um, the second thing that I wanted to say, uh, is that this is a two-edged sword so when i say naysayer when i say doubt and when i say hater um well you are also playing the same role probably in someone else's life <laughs> okay um so this is not like a bunch of people that are just wicked uh, you know that just you know some island somewhere and their sole purpose is to come and scatter somebody's dream no Every single one of us at some point or the other, you know, we will be doubters in somebody, you know, to somebody's dream. We will be naysayers and maybe even haters, okay? Hopefully not, but the truth of the matter is um we we could even be haters. Do you understand what I'm saying? So Uh, don't, don't be so quick to say, Hey, that's, I just know that these people, no, 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 it's, it's, it's about bringing awareness and also to understand that as you're listening to me, you're not just listening to identify people that are doing that against you or to you, but you also put on the hat of, Hmm, I might be in a naysayer in somebody's life. I might be a doubter or even a hater in somebody's life. Now, don't worry too much. I'm going to explain and define what all these words mean no i i I know you know what they mean but in the context of what i'm going to be teaching because it might vary or differ slightly to what the the other people may call them or what you know mainstream uh what might be in the mainstream regarding the the particular word so stay with me i'm going to explain what i mean by naysayer what i mean by doubt and what i mean by hater and also how to how to handle these people these relationships in your life and when i say relationship i don't necessarily mean someone that you know well that is in your life for 10 years or whatever it is it might literally be someone that is walking by you on the road and they and you only know them for five seconds but they leave an imprint do you understand what i mean so um stay with me this is a very interesting episode i loved prepping and and um putting this episode together and also because it is something that is superbly relevant you cannot escape this you heard me say that in the intro if you have anything worthwhile that you want to do in fact you don't even need to have a dream that's worthwhile you just you can only be breathing just that you can be breathing and there'll be doubters and haters in fact even people that are no longer breathing that are dead they still have haters how much more those of us (laughs) That are alive and breathing. Do you understand? So, um, yes, I'm I'm very excited about that. So let's get into it. So the first one that I'm going to start with is the naysayers. All right. Like I said, I'm going to define what I mean by the naysayers. I'm going to give examples from the Bible and in a more practical um, relatable way in our own world today, and then give you one strategy that you can use to handle that relationship or those people strategically so that they don't end up, uh, stopping you from achieving your dream. So who are the naysayers? Who is a person that I would call a naysayer? Now a naysayer is basically someone that they just cannot see the good in anything. Do you understand? Very negative. Very negative. Now, if I, I, I'm sure as I'm speaking, the whole idea is to be able to pinpoint and identify some of these relationships that are already in your life and maybe even have a bank of information to help you if somebody like that should come into your life. Now, I, I'm talking about just generally negative. (laughs) All right. Just generally negative. They don't see the good in anything or they, they like to pick holes in any, anything and everything except, except When it is their own idea, I'm trying to be as, as detailed and explicit as I can, so that you can form an image of what I'm talking about. Now, someone that I call Inesa is someone that is so convinced that they are right as a result of that, they are closed to any other suggestions. Okay. So they have their own preconceived ideas. They have their own preconceived ideas. And whenever anything that, that differs or looks different to that preconceived idea shows up, they're like, no, 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 it can never work. And they begin to pick holes in it. They're just generally negative towards, towards ideas, or suggestions that other people may bring into their space. The only thing they seem to be fully convinced about is an idea that they bring to the table. Now, the thing I'm going to keep describing who the Naseya is, the nasia is someone that will still maintain that position and just keep resisting and opposing this idea or this suggestion, regardless of evidence after evidence that is presented to them. So they are prejudiced. And as a result of that, they are blinded. Okay. So they're pretty much blinded by their own prejudice. Now, the first thing I want you to know about the reaction of the naysayer to you is this. It's not personal. Okay. It's not personal. A naysayer will oppose their grandmother, their mother, their father, their dog, their wife, their husband, their boss, their child. Do you understand? It's it's just a, a way of thinking. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So it's not like, oh, I, I, I have something against you personally. No, 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 no. They just are very negative. Now, when I say negative, let me qualify this. It may just be one idea. It may just be, um, one thing that they're so convinced about. And as a result of that, they will not open up to any other idea regarding that particular thing. So whatever comes up that seems to be slightly different from what they believe, they will immediately shoot it down because they're like, no, 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 it can't be that way. So a naysayer could be, it could be, um, it could be someone that is um, opposed to an idea or a way of life or something, or could just be someone that is generally negative. I hope you understand what I mean. The naysayer is primarily driven By pride and closed mindedness, so what drives them is not a personal vendetta, they don't personally have anything against you. Do you understand that? I'm I'm certain that as I'm talking, you can pictures are forming in your mind either of someone that you know, hey, I think that person is definitely a naysayer, or you yourself are being a naysayer (laughs) in somebody's life. Johnson, it's a double edged sword. Okay, So it's driven primarily by pride or by closed-mindedness, whether to an idea, to a way of life, or to life generally. Okay, And I'm going to give you an example or a few examples. The first example I'm taking from the Bible, and it is Jesus versus the Pharisees. The Pharisees, that's a classic example of naysayers. All right they were not opposed to jesus personally they did not have anything against jesus personally he was the things he was saying he was the things that he was doing right they just couldn't stomach the idea of someone doing it differently to how they did it do you understand? they were so proud that they believed that the way they knew how to do it was the only way how dare this carpenter that didn't even train in the torah come and tell us who is the son of god and who is the son of man and blah 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 so they were like how dare you we know this thing you cannot present a new idea so they were so closed minded that they were not willing to open up and even allow any suggestion of something new to come into their space so that's a classic example of naysayers all right of naysayers i mean For them, they read in the law that it said, don't do any work on the Sabbath. When Jesus presented a new idea that it wasn't about the Sabbath, God created the Sabbath to give man rest. So he actually created the Sabbath for man, not because the Sabbath was some kind of deity that man had to bow down to. And was saying, I can heal on the Sabbath because the Sabbath was created to help man. It's a tool. When he came up with that kind of idea. that no way the sabbath is sacred nobody's supposed to do anything they could not just so they they violently opposed jesus why because they were naysayers they were so blinded to their own prejudice that they were not willing to open up to any kind of new idea from somebody else all right coming from somebody else all right um if, another example could be someone that is actually a member of your team that you are leading or that you are a part of. I remember um, years ago that I worked with someone <laughs> that was, oh my goodness, very negative, right? Very negative. Every idea that came to the table, there was always something wrong with the idea. There was always something wrong with the idea. And the interesting thing, and this is what I'm saying about naysayers, right? The interesting thing about this was every idea that came, do you understand? That came from them was fine. They would push it and say, this is how I think it should be done. This is the direction we should go in, et etc." Et but if somebody else brings an idea to the table, they would immediately find something wrong with that idea right? As in almost without fail, you would, you, you know, you would sit at meetings and you can predict (laughs) that they would definitely say, listen, it's not going to work because of X, Y, and Z. I didn't, in in all the years that I worked with, with, with this person, right? I don't think, I mean, I mean, we would sit at team meetings and I wasn't a leader then. I was just a member of the team at work. And I, in my mind, I was just like, like I'd be counting to 10. We just waiting <laughs> for this person to say, no, no, no. We, you know, we, we try this and this is why it's not going to work. We, this is the students are this, blah, 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 blah. And always without fail. But <laughs> in fact, I even remember a few occasions where something that they had suggested that maybe, you know, we just, it just never really, um, gained traction, and we moved on from it. Then, in another meeting later on, somebody presents the same idea, and again, like clockwork, they'll be like, "No, it can't work." La la la, la. you know. See, th- th- these are the holes in this thing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I'm thinking, "Oh my goodness!" So you mean it is only the things that you come up with that will work? That's a classic example of ACR. Now. For somebody like that, okay, if you, if somebody, if you have a dream and you happen to have a naysayer, whether in your team, whether you're even married to a nasia, whether the naysayer is your friend or whatever it is, or your boss, you need to know that it's not personal. That's, that's one of the key things. One of the, one of the most important insights that will help you a lot in being able to handle a nasia. it's not personal. It's not a personal attack. If you take it personally, you will hold that person in contempt because it, it, it gets a bit much. Do you understand? Like, why are you always so negative? Why, why, why can't you support me? Why, are you, why? Do you understand? You will become offended. You will start carrying offense and opening the door for Satan into your own life. Do you understand? So you have to tell yourself it's not personal. It's not personal. It's just the way. Over time the the habit it's a habit do so you understand it's not they have over time done it so much that it has become a habit it has become a habit they just see obstacles in everything as to why you know it's not something is not going to work blah 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 why your dream is nonsense and let me tell you five reasons why that's not going to work it's just the way their what the their brain has been wired out of habit it is not personal that's why I say whether it's their cat, their dog, their mother, their boss, their child, their wife, their husband, their, it makes no difference. That's difference. They're like that with everything and everybody. Another expression of when you have naysayers is things like racism, sexism, etc. Right. Remember what I said about how despite evidence after evidence being presented. This person that's a naysayer, this group of people that are naysayers, they will continue to hold on to what they believe. And it is driven by pride and closed mindedness. So things like racism. So despite evidence being surrounded by evidence everywhere, for example, that black people are intelligent and they're not inferior to white people, a racist will discount all that evidence in favor of their own beliefs do you understand what i mean in favor of their own beliefs It's the same thing with oh a woman can't do this a woman can't do that despite i mean you look around women are presidents women are doing amazing things yet you say a woman can't you know be the ceo of the company where did that come from they have evidence that it's not true but they believe one thing so they would discount That evidence, so that's an, that's an example of, you know, um, naysaying that is wrapped around a certain ideal. Their prejudice is not about you. It's not about the black person, right? It's not about you. It's not about you personally. It's a bigger issue than you. So how do you deal with this? Well, you will certainly waste time trying to convince them. Okay. Trying to convince them, say, oh, no, actually, no, you know, because it's, it's, it's the way of life. It's the way they see that situation. And you will actually hold yourself back, trying to convince a naysayer to change our minds It's like Jesus abandoning, healing the sick, you know, raising the dead, providing bread and going into the temple every day and trying to convince the Pharisees, listen, let me show you from the Torah. Actually, Isaiah said this and Ezekiel said that every single, it would have been, it would have wasted the whole three years that he was supposed to have been preaching the gospel with the Pharisees. And at the end of the three years, they still would not have come around. All right. They still would not have come around. Some may have. So when you do that, you may gain some ground. You may have some success. But what I'm trying to say is it is bigger than you. It is not. It wasn't Jesus. It's not personal. And Paul tried that. He wasted so much time going into the synagogues he will go into a new city instead of him to go to the Gentiles that Je-Jelly god sent him to say no i you know i i these people must be safe he'll go into synagogues they'll beat him they tried to kill him in one time they stoned him he said do you understand until so god said do you know what?" I'm going to go and lock you in a prison somewhere so that you can sit down and do what I'm telling you to do. Leave the Pharisees alone. Leave the Jews alone, okay? Peter knows how to speak to them. Let him do that job. So it's bigger than you. It is it is futile to want to go around trying to persuade a naysayer. Listen, just, do you know, what's the strategy? How do you strategically handle a naysayer? Just Keep doing what you're doing and ignore them. This is how you deal with an All right? Don't get into confrontations. Don't get into arguments, trying to bring them round because you cannot out argue in ASEA. Do you know why this is, so, it's not new. It's not someone that's just thinking, well, they're closed. Their minds are closed. All right. These people's minds are closed to that idea. Do you understand? And it is a way of thinking. So you will waste your time trying to convince someone that is a naysayer that, you know, regarding that your specific dream. You just need to keep going. The same way Jesus just carried on doing what he was doing. And as he did that, some Pharisees were converted. You know, they slowly got to the point where the evidence started to sort of erode some of their... Um, prejudices and some got to the point where eventually they were like, Oh, okay. He truly is the Messiah and they crossed over, but the majority of them, guess what did not. Okay. They did not. So if you have someone like that as your team leader, like your boss, what do you do, you have to just keep being your best. I'm telling you, if you, you know, don't get into loggerheads. Keep being your best and then put your trust where in God to bring the right opportunity for you to shine. So if you have love ideas that you just believe could work, but this person is not even, like I said, a naysayer will not say, well, I'm not sure that idea could work. It is like almost pretty much every idea that is presented. They will find holes in it, they'll say, it can't work. It can't work. That's a naysayer. You will exhaust yourself. You find you will depress yourself always trying to keep saying, well, let's try, it. let's try, listen, the one they have told you to do, do it with all your might and just commit yourself to God that the right people that will believe in that dream and your vision. So this is where you can not just walk out now, do you understand? So, like I said, if it's someone like that you can literally just ignore and say, listen, go your way or go my way. Like Jesus and the Pharisees, he went his way, they, they, they were the ones that kept coming to find him, but he didn't, he didn't hang around them. But if you're stuck in a relationship, like some of the person is your boss or your spouse, even that's a naysayer, listen, just keep taking baby steps. All right. Towards that dream, hold that dream, keep being your best in whatever is your responsibility. So whatever you have been assigned to do as part of that team, just keep being your best and committed to God that the right people, the right opportunity for that dream to happen will present itself. That is the best you can do if you are in a relationship where Inesia is in authority over you. If for ex- another example is if it is somebody that you lead, <laughs> so someone, you know, that is part of your team, you may need to get them out of your team. Okay. You don't, I mean, constant negativity is <laughs> exhausting. It's exhausting. You will not really move forward at the rates that you are supposed to move forward. If you have a naysayer in your team, right? that has influence, the person will hold you back. So if, for example, you own a business and you, you hired somebody that is a naysayer, you just have to take responsibility and say, how did I end up hiring somebody like this? And you may need to get them out of your team. If it's not that simple, right? So you work for an organization, you are the head of a team and there's somebody in there that you can not just sack. Right? This is what I would recommend that you do. Okay? Find what they are great at and assign them to it. Just l- let them be doing their job. Right? It is not a naysayer that every time you have an idea that you now go and say, hey, let's sit down and start discussing. They will out-discuss you, they will out-argue you. You understand what I mean? Because they're experienced at this. They've had a lot of practice in finding holes in things, so much so that that thing cannot move forward. By the time they have picked it apart, by the time they have said all sorts and looked at it from every angle as to why it can't work, even you that, you know, when you woke up that money you were so excited. By the time they finish with you, right, you'll be like, ah, oh, it's true, it can't work. So just. You know if you can't really get them out of your team and especially if they're fantastic at maybe their job or something just give them that job let them be doing that job don't try to convert them into an ally you will waste your time i've already talked about that and don't put them in a position where they are part of the engine in that team or do you understand the engine in the machinery because if the engine is not working, the machinery, the team can't move forward. So don't put them in positions where they have to make decisions that will move the team forward because they will slow you down. Okay. Simply use them as a tool, as part of the machinery. So what are they brilliant as? Commit that to them, give them ownership of it. You know, they're going to deliver, let them just get on with it. That is how you handle a naysayer. Did you notice, know this is right? that Jesus never tried to win Judas over. And did you ever wonder why? Why didn't Jesus sit Judas down and say, Judas, do you know? What? No, it's not his feet. Because Jesus knew, he knew, <laughs> he knew, right? It was like, why do you want to betray me? Why do you want to do something like that? Eh? Money is not anything. Why didn't Jesus sit down and have that conversation? It's because Jesus knew that the greed had so consumed Judas that it was not anymore about Jesus. The money had so much entered into him. In fact, the Bible says that Satan entered into him. Do you understand? So Jesus knew that it's not, it's not personal. Jesus had presented evidence after evidence for three and a half years to Judas, but the greed had taken hold of him that jesus knew that it would be futile to try and save this one so it was just like ah i can't convince this this naysayer so do you know what judas you're part of the 12 right i'm not going to get rid of you because you have a a purpose you have a part to play so the thing that you want to go and do do it quickly (laughs) do you understand so jesus was like okay you handle the money you're good at that or whatever it is He was like, just, you know, you're part of the team, but you're not part of the inner caucus. That's what I'm trying to say. Jesus did not put him as part of the three, James, John and Peter. All right. He didn't put him as part of the three, as part of the inner circle, because that's bringing him to be a part of the engine in the machinery. He put him as a tool. You have your role. You have your place there. You're very good at it. Carry on, carry go. Okay. I'm not going to try and convince you otherwise. Listen, I've presented with so much evidence. Just do whatever it is that you're good at. All right. He didn't try and build the church upon Judas. That would have been a grave mistake and it would have seriously affected the movement. So that is how you deal with a naysayer. Let me move on to the second category, which is doubters, (laughs) doubters, doubters, doubters. Now, who are doubters very different from naysayers for doubters it is not just oh uh I, I just disagree i just disagree i just disagree because they want to be right okay the doubter disagrees or opposes simply because they can't see what you are seeing and i'll explain i'll give you you know i'll qualify that they can't see what you're seeing right their own opposition is a reflection of their own fears it's a reflection of limited sight okay unlike naysayers now this is the difference there isn't a lot of evidence to discount what they believe All right for a doubter is literally they doubt it there's no evidence so you say oh um, yeah, earning 50,000 pounds now in the next five years, I'm going to be earning a million pounds a year. And they look at you and they say, uh, how <laughs> you, know, is he, yam? how are you going to do that? And they, do you understand? It's not, it's, <laughs> there's no evidence. They're like, but this is where you are. How are you going to reach a million pounds in five years? So we, are they going to dash you? That's a doubter. Alright? Now if you go and start getting offended at a doubter that they didn't immediately jump and support your dream, you're making a mistake. Because it is not it's not it's not as a result of them not necessarily believing in you, it's because they don't have evidence. Doubters are actually closer to your dream than naysayers. Doubters are usually good people to have around that you can very easily turn around to your advantage, to become your allies by presenting them with evidence or inspiring them to believe in your vision. Naysayers, no matter what you say, because remember they have been presented with all sorts of evidence. They don't care about the evidence. They just want to be right. It is driven by pride. It is driven by close being close minded. Right? For the doubter, the doubter could even a lot of times could even genuinely care about you and be concerned about you. They don't want to see you disappointed. They just at that point in time lack the foresight. So you're saying, I believe, you know, that I'm I, I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to, you know, um apply for this job and go for that role, and your team member is looking at you like I don't think so. You might get offended and be angry that this person, why they, why they not supporting me, it could be your spouse, but they don't see what you see. That's, do you understand? All right. For them, it is, it is more about a lack of evidence. All right. They look around and the evidence around them is telling them that this thing that you're saying, it's very unlikely that it's going to happen. And for the ones that love you, they want to protect you. They don't want you to fail. They don't want you to be disappointed. So they will try and shield you by saying, No, I don't think you should go for it. I don't think you, I don't think, do you understand? That's a doubter. Okay? That's a doubter. Their judgment is based on limited information. They are basing it purely ba- uh, on who they've always known you to be, whether in the past or how they see you now. Their main push or they're mainly driven by the desire to play it safe. All right. The naysayer is driven by pride and close mindedness for the doubter. It is driven by for a lot of times to play it safe, to protect, to play it safe, to protect. I say, no, I don't see how that's going to happen. Right. I don't see how it's going to happen. Evidence shows me that it's, it hasn't really happened this way. How is it going to happen? I don't, you don't have enough. So when, for example, um, Jesus said, feed the 5,000 plus the women and children. And they came and said, how is that possible? We only have five loaves and two fish. Those are doubters. (laughs) Just that they're like, what are you going to feed them with? So it wasn't, it wasn't like. The pharisees that were like we've seen do you understand? It, it, it was nothing like that he just looked and said ah, how uh, based on the evidence it's not possible so imagine if jesus had gotten upset and said why you, i don't understand. you people you never support me you never you always saying it's not going to happen blah. blah. no when jesus presented the, the, the presented them with evidence, when they saw the basket starting to overflow did they change their minds yes that's the difference between the naysayer and the doubter. Once evidence begins to present itself, the doubter most, almost certainly will change their mind and they will jump on board. Another example is Ruth and Naomi. I mean, Naomi was not being malicious. When she said, Ruth, you have to go back. She simply could not see what Ruth was seeing. She couldn't see it, right? She was like, go back from evidence even if i give birth today even if as we get there i find a husband right and the same night i must conceive and then i give birth and i have a baby boy I, then i must have a baby boy it can't be a girl <laughs> Then if i have a baby boy then you now need to wait i don't know 18 years or whatever before you can marry and then what is guy? Gar- so she was like listen based on evidence You need to go back to your own country and find a young husband to marry you and move on with your life. But Ruth said, no. So imagine if Ruth had started to attack Naomi that I don't, why are you not supporting me with this? I don't understand. No, Naomi simply lacked foresight based on current evidence. Okay. Based on current evidence. Another example from the Bible was Thomas. Thomas, did you see how Jesus responded to Thomas? Did Jesus go and slap Thomas and say, what is wrong with you? I don't understand. Yeah. Did I not say blah, 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 blah. Jesus simply went and said, oh, you need evidence. See my thumb, see my print, see the nail print in my hand. See the, this is how you deal with doubters. And I'm going to explain in more detail coming to that. But first I want to read something to give you an example of Um, of, uh, of doubters, how doubters actually play out in, in our lives. And this is Kamala Harris, um, the vice president elect of the United States. And I'll just read something that I, that I read about. I says that in 2003, she, at the time she was a 38 year old lawyer, she decided to run against the incumbent Terence Halinan for the city's district attorney seat. So she was told by many people that the race would not be in her favor as she was a little known prosecutor in the city. Can you see the reason? Since she was a little known prosecutor in the city, a lot of people told her not to run. But she pushed past the doubt and she ran anyway and went on to become the state's first black district attorney. Okay. They said, nobody knows you, you need, we need somebody, the person that can probably win is someone, especially, you know, the incumbent is very popular. He's been there. Everybody knows him. And then someone that nobody knows wants to run against incumbent. They're like, you don't stand a chance based on evidence. That is an example of Delta. So you have to know how to, how to handle this kind of people. Okay. Now, The most important thing in handling doubters is this, do not burn bridges because you can very easily and very quickly turn a doubter into your biggest advocate. They're not like naysayers, naysayers their minds are made up. And even if they do come round, it would take something dramatic. Like Paul, he had, it took Jesus coming down by himself with the blinding lights before Paul could turn. I mean, you, you can't stick, you can't st- I mean, you could waste your, your whole season trying to convince a naysayer, but a doubter will very easily come around based on new evidence. Johnson, Based on new evidence, a doubter can very easily come around. So don't burn bridges. They could still be relevant in your life. Ruth needed Naomi. Do you understand? If Ruth had fought with Naomi, ah, you no. Know now she needed her. So Jesus also needed Thomas. Do you understand what I mean? So your goal is to gently but firmly seek to bring them to that place of awareness. You cannot be looking at your husband or you know and be saying, "Well, blah, blah. I'm just saying, no." You have to. You have to find a way. Do you understand? Because they're like, I don't think you should You should go and, you know, start that thing or whatever it is. Why? They don't want to see you hurt. They don't want to see you hurt. They don't want to see you fail. So for people like that, you have to know that ultimately they are for you. The reason why they are even saying, don't do it, it won't work, is because they are for you. They are for you. The naysayer is for himself or for herself the doubter is for you. They're seeking to protect you. Do you understand? They're seeking to protect you. They just don't see how it will work. No evidence. So what you do, you increase the evidence. All right. You increase the evidence. Now keep moving forward because that's how you're going to show them the evidence. So for example, um, a, a wife tells her husband that I want to start this business, etc., etc., And he's like, no, ah, you know, you can't resign or whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. So she's like, okay, fine. Okay. I'm not going to resign. She continues doing her day job. She's being her best. She's still getting the salary, et cetera. But she's now starting to invest one or two hours every night into this new venture, this new business that she wants to start. As the thing begins to grow, the man is observing, do you understand? He's looking with corner eye. He may not say anything, but he's observing. He's looking like, okay, there might be something here. So continue to move forward, continue to generate the evidence that "Uh -uh, this thing can work. And by themselves, they will turn around. When Jesus went to meet Thomas and said, okay, touch my hand, touch the prince, put your hand inside the hole. Thomas felt that and said, my Lord and my God, So that's a doubter. This is how you engage with doubters. If you have doubters in your team, all right, in your team, especially if you're a leader of a team and you have people that, because in order to fulfill any kind of vision that you have for that team, for that organization, for that department, you have to learn as a leader, how to carry people along. Because at the moment you are the one, you are the visionary. You are the one that sees where you're going. So one good way, practical way is to work on your communication skills. The ability to communicate a vision and to inspire people to follow you is what leadership is all about. So if you have doubters and you will certainly have doubters because they don't see it yet you arrive on monday morning and say Heh, this is how we're going to increase our revenue by 500 percent and they're looking at you like oh my god does that mean we're going to work five times more and they're like oh no and you can see the <laughs> the abject lack of of enthusiasm on their face you can't say you can't shout at them and say, I don't understand. Why can't you people just support me? No, you're going. They don't have the evidence yet. You just you need to inspire them. You need to show them consistently the evidence. You may you can use your words to give them the evidence the same way Ruth did. I mean, Ruth didn't go and grab Boaz and say, listen, that's the person I'm going to marry and I'm going to have a child and the person, will, the child will eventually be in the lineage of Jesus. Did, no, she, she couldn't have done that at that point, but she used her words. She communicated the vision in a way that Naomi caught on and she was like, okay, let's move forward. Okay? So this is how you deal with doubters. Don't burn bridges with doubters because they can be your, 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 your fiercest, um, supporters. Keep moving forward. Remember what I said? So don't pack there day and say, until you no. Know. time is going. So keep taking steps forward, generating evidence, and secondly, work on your ability to communicate that vision. So don't compel doubters to come along with your vision, regardless, they will resent you. Okay. And don't simply don't also assume that they will just fall in line. So don't compel them and don't assume that, well, because you are my husband, you have to support me. No, it doesn't have to support you because you can't see what you're seeing. Okay. So this is how you deal with doubters. Now onto the last category of people that will or may oppose your dream haters (laughs) you know for naysayers we said it's not personal okay it's not personal for doubters there's an element of um personality in it because they they care for you they are motivated more like oh I, i i want i want i want to be safe you know i i don't i don't want to push boundaries I don't think this will work because I don't have evidence for the haters. Oh, yeah, it's personal. (laughs) It's personal. It's personal, baby. I mean, it could be you personally that they are coming after. Or this is probably even more dangerous. It could be the idea of you. Do you understand? They see you. All right. They see you as somebody else they have an issue with. They see you as somebody else. So somebody had hurt them, for example, and as soon as they see somebody that is similar to that. So maybe in their last job, okay, for example, their boss treated them anyhow, this person was like this, like this. As soon as they start the new job, they they have identified you with the person that hurt them and so it is they're coming after you, all right? So it could be you personally that the hater has a problem with, or you could represent in their eyes, someone that hurt them or they have something against. So for the hater, it is always personal. It's never random. Okay. It is never random. It is always about the person that is in front of them, that they're like, listen, you are going down. I'm coming after you. All right. For the haters. They are driven by vindictiveness. They're driven by resentment, which could be as a result of jealousy. It could be as a result of envy or even hurt, as I said, okay. They're jealous, they're envious or they're hurt, whatever it is, that is what drives them and it is personal. So they antagonize and they attack. So that's the kind of wonder like, what did I do to you? I don't understand do you understand they don't even care whether there's evidence there's no evidence it makes no difference it's a personal issue they have something against you personally okay and they 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 try and belittle so these are the ways that haters actually demonstrate themselves they are are, they're they're very offensive they're always on the attack before you say one thing they've said ten that's a hater do you understand? And I'll give you some examples. Saul and David. That's an example of a hater. So Saul against David. For Saul, it was personal. That like, you, this tiny boy, you want to come and take my throne? Never. He's going to my son, and he's going to last all of my generations forever and ever until all eternity. So he went after David. It was personal. He wanted to destroy David, as in at all costs. Okay. Another example is Cain and Abel Cain for Cain. It was personal, right? He saw Abel and he thought you are the one that prevented God from saying my sacrifice was good. And he, he basically, do you understand? So jealousy, envy, or hurt. So when I say hurt, some the person did something to them and they're holding a grudge, a grudge that has become some form of bitterness. And they're like, I'm coming after this person or I'm going after this person. All right. And a third example from the Bible, just to show you different categories. Okay. Where this could happen. The third example is David's brother. Right. And I'll read that to you from first Samuel 17, 28 to 31. So when David showed up where Goliath was and the army of the Israel of the Israel, uh, the Israelite army was, and his brother was a soldier in the army. And goliath came and made his threats and david was like uh uh-uh, who is this one that's just threatening the army of the lord like this so he says when david's older oldest brother eliab heard david talking to the men he was angry i mean what did david do Think, so i'm i'm trying to show you this one about hater do you understand it's personal right he says he was angry what are you doing around here anyway? He demanded. What about those few sheep? You're supposed to be taken care of. Can you see vindictive immediately on the attack attacking David, belittling him? Few sheep. You don't even have mouths to talk here. What are you looking for? This is for elite soldiers. My friend, go back to the wilderness and go and look about and go and look after the few sheep. He said, I know about your pride and your deceit. I mean What did david do to 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 warrant this kind of attack nothing do you understand you just want to see the battle david said "Ah, oga what have i done now i was only asking a question can you see the difference said i was only asking a question compare this to and i'll finish i'll come back to this Compare this to the naysayers. I want you to really get this right because the way you handle, you deal with these things is different. If you go and deal with a doubter the way you deal with a hater, honestly, you are creating problems. If you go and deal with a hater the way you deal with a doubter, it it can be catastrophic. So you need to try and understand who these people are, right? What roles are they playing and to be able to strategically handle them the right way. The Pharisees, I said, were naysayers. It made, no listen, if Jesus was, once they, you know, they thought they had gotten rid of Jesus. If somebody else popped up, they would have shifted their attention. It was not about Jesus. They passed. If Jesus woke up the next day and said, do you know what? You people are right. Come and teach me. I want to become a Pharisee. They would have clapped. They would have applauded. It wasn't about Jesus. They were just so dogged in their own thinking, myopic, that they were not prepared to to open up to anything the hater it is listen saul was chasing desert until david is dead he took all of the budget of the entire country and used it to try do you understand he left everything else stop paying attention to the country to the agriculture to whatever and he focused all of his time and energy to try and destroy david okay So you have to know when it is a personal thing, they personally have something, whether it is driven by jealousy, by envy, or by resentment as a result of some kind of hurt or pain that they feel that they have suffered at your hands. Okay? So David said, I'm only asking a question. Then I'll continue reading. It says he walked over to some others and asked the same question and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. How did David handle this? He simply walked away from his brother. He never engaged with his brother again regarding that matter. He walked away. It was a personal vendetta, he was jealous, he was envious because he was. Remember, it was him that the oil was supposed to come on top. In fact, Samuel, when Samuel saw Eliab, said, Aha, we have found the next king. And he was going to pour the oil, the oil refused to pour. He was like, Pour the thing now, Samuel. He said, Ah, sorry, the thing is not pouring. He said, eh? You mean is that brat in the wilderness that you are now going to pour the oil? He had a. Ah, jealousy plus envy plus everything rolled together that's a hater so what did david do david moved away he didn't even try and convince him he didn't try and argue with him he just said oh okay do you know what stay there he just literally walked away and went and found somebody else and asked the same question again right that was the last time we heard about from his brother regarding that issue so how do you deal with haters you need to separate yourself you need to separate yourself why you need to move away because they are compromised they are compromised there's a seed of bitterness or envy or jealousy that has been planted inside them do you understand and because it is personal do you, Satan they there's there's just too many possibilities of how Satan can take that thing and build it up in their mind until do you understand it is person is you they want do you, see, I hope you understand what I'm saying to try and understand the difference it's you they are going after so they are compromised and if you keep hanging around someone that's a hater they can end up causing you pain Abel. So that Cain's attitude towards him had changed. Abel had taken on the seed of bitterness as a result of his jealousy of his brother, his twin brother. Johnson, he 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 had embodied inside Abel the the cause of all his problems on this earth. <laughs> it's Abel's fault. It's Abel's fault. Abel saw this. He saw that his brother's attitude towards him had changed. He still went to the field with him. Why? The man ended up killing him. If David had not run away from Saul, Saul would have killed him. Okay. Saul would have killed him. Do you understand? So when you identify that, those kind of people. They are compromised. You have to pray. In fact, if you're in a situation where you can't just sever the relationship, you have to pray that God will uproot them out of your life. Keep your own heart free of offense. Limit. So that is not the kind of person you now be gisting with. You now be telling all your secrets. Do you understand? You have to really put as much distance as is possible between you and that person and pray for God to uproot them. If you, it's between you and God, you don't have to try and try and convince anybody. You're opening yourself up to God knows what. You don't bring people like that into your life and you're hanging out with them. There's a seed that is in their heart against you. And you don't know how vulnerable they could be one day. They could be feeling somehow, and then that's when Satan will whisper something that could end up harming you. So you you have to keep your distance. I don't think when they went to the field, Cain planned on killing Abel. But because that seed was there, and it was the right opportunity, and then Satan came and whispered and said, See what he did to you. And the opportunity mixed with the seed that was in Cain's heart, and boom, there was a reaction, and he killed his brother. So that's what I mean. So for that one, literally just commit them to God people that you know, they in your office, there's this senior manager that, you know, just does not like you, everything you do will attack is a personal thing for somebody like that. You have to pray that, listen, one or two things, this is what God says is mine. So you will either align with God. God said you can make peace. They will either make peace with me or I will remove them. Okay. So you have to be, that's how you deal with the hater while keeping your distance. Okay. Don't go and be having lunch dinner with a hater and talking and just having come, no, 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 no. Okay. So (laughs) that is it. (laughs) I will be back next week. Thanks.